You can high-five someone, take a seat, grab a hug, get a coffee. You be you, boo. Thank you, band. Thank you, tech. Thank you to the Blast Ministry next door. And thank you to everyone that actually came to church like at 6.30 this morning already. So thank you to them. All right, before we move on, is Marcel in the house? All right, so Marcel, I don't know but just to remind you of some stuff, there in the back, we have stuff that looks like this. It's envelopes. It is your post. So please carry your post op Sunday, Marcel. See your post. Yeah, it's to follow to know the forebuild. So I'm happy you here. Is for us a few briefies. Deal it, man. With all the letters, four in for elk. Senior than can all. All right. So please get your postage in the back. Your post sticker later. As you end up, but I mean to go. Ah, what? This actually is so moolik, ni. There's steps going up to the sound room. Underneath the steps, there's a room. The door should be open. There's a table. And as you've seen it later, it's alphabetical, so it's easy to find. Please get it. Otherwise, you miss a lot. And then let me take you through it. This is, for instance, something that you will miss if you don't take it. Inside your postage, you have a fourfold like this. And then it was vakantie program tye December maand's program in vroeë januari binnen die. If you don't have this, you will be confused and you will be angry at the pastors and church for no reason because you're going to rock up at a second service and then the doors are closed. So get this so that you do not fill your heart with anger. Okay, so let's run through it quickly. Eredienst, the first service will be active and ongoing throughout the whole vacation period. The vacancy program, it's not closing down, so please don't think we're closing the church and for your beer of now I don't have a church anymore. No, it's not the case, it's not the reason. And then the second service will be closed on. On. So the 22nd, there's no second service. 22nd of December, no second service. So for the 29th of December and the 5th of Jan as well. So three Sundays. The only thing it means is we are incorporating the second service into the first service for Christmas service and the New Year's service that is going to be in between all of that Sundays as well. So instead of 700 services, we have one service for the whole house. We are one church. We are one body. And then, therefore, there will be no second service on those dates. So please get the fourfold. Blast kits will be closing next week on the 1st of December, so then they will be closing next week. All right, so they're still here next week. A lot of people get confused. And then they will open on the 19th of Jan. It runs parallel medi-school priorities in Terminus. So they will open then on the 19th of January again. Uh, so for the crew youth movement, which is the service as well, and then the midweek program, including the men's events, so we will have conversation. The midweek program closes during the school program. There's a good reason for this. Don't pass out. 
A lot of people use the December holidays as a main breakaway and holiday. Therefore, they close the midweek programs during December. And then just take a note of that. And as you know, how Mandaljara is, volgende week dinsdag kom jou Mandaljara by Potterhuis by mekaar half twaalf. As jy enige verdere details soek vrou oom Doep, hy is beskikbaar. And then prayer meets are closing as well. We are not ceasing to pray. Hear me loud and clear. We're just closing the United Prayer Mondays on the 16th of December, 23rd and 30th, and then the 6th of Jan as well. So we start on the 13th of January again. So please get the fourfold. There's a lot of dates, a lot of times, a lot of arrangements in it. And then with that said, next week, the 1st of December, we have communion services, first and second service. So there's church in this slot next week. A lot of people get confused because we have the Christmas carols event next week at six in the evening. It's on program. All right. So we have three get-togethers, if you want to call it that, then next week, it's the first service, second service, six o'clock in the evening, we have the Christmas carols event in the house, and then the Christmas crafters market directly after, there's food, there's no entrance fee, there's a kids area, there's drinks, there's coffee, there will be chuikies and daikies and daikies and crafts and a lot of stuff, so please come and hang out with us, and then obviously, it begins and ends with Christ, so don't ever confuse that. We are a church, and we stand for our King, and that is the whole reason for the season. So there you have it. We'll print your t-shirt if you don't remember that. Okay, so Christmas Day, 25th of December, Kerstdag dienst in the house, one service, 8.30. So on Christmas Day, we have a Christmas Day service, and then Nieuwejaarsdag so on the 1st of Jan 2020, we have one service for New Year's, not Oyars on. It's not like back in the day. I know a lot of people wait for that service. No, we do not do that anymore due to safety reasons. So we have a Nieuwejaars dagdienst die ochtend, and there you have it. All right, so let's breathe. All right, get your four faults. It will be online as well. And then... Can I share what God wants to speak into this house today? Come on, here I go. All right, there I am. I'm ready. So here's the thing. A lot of you will go hallelujah right now. We are ending the series, the book of James today. This is the last leg in the series. And I know a lot of people right here go like hallelujah. It was draining. It was in my face. It was heavy. But here's the thing about the book of James. It should be all that. And if you look around and accept you'll see the more you delve into the book of James, the less people show up. And I can say it because I'm the pastor and I see it and I experience it and I hear the conversations weekly. It's not a bad thing. It's a good thing because it, it challenges hearts and people and individuals to a point where you go like, that is the word of God, if you like it or not. Because the Word of God clearly states that Easter sleep Easter. Ni marshmallow sleep Macarney. Ni rice crispy sleep Macarney. Easter sleep Easter. It is something that is steadfast. It's something that holds its shape. It's something that can take punishment. And God wants to mature His church to a point where we are all Easter. Glad of me. This year is hard. 
As moet op een punt kom waar die boek van Jacobus, the book of James, does not move us into negative space, but challenges and moves us into a place of maturing in the kingdom of God. En dit vat eister, sluip eister. It's a moment that is intense. So we're going to end off with this intense uh, book and this intense series today. And I want to throw it out there, and I know this is true. So don't even try and say, no, it's not the case. But who's still struggling to get the Christmas tree up in their house? So you go today, come on, let me explain this. You go like, vandag is die dag, and then you get home, you eat a whole chicken, dan moet jy verteer soos a leeuw onder a boom, and then you like six hours later, ach, I, I don't have time anymore. And then Monday comes, and you're like doing the rat race, and then it's a moment of, now I'm too busy. Then Wednesday come, and you go like, nee, I'm still too busy, and before you see it, a week passed, and it's not up yet. Can you identify with that? Have you ever experienced moments like that, not maybe with a Christmas tree, but with something else in the last three weeks or month? Come on. Like, I'm going to get married seven years later, you engaged. Because a jockey, but you sorted it out. You sorted it out. But the truth of the matter is you like next week and then things happen and life gets busy and then things happen and life gets busy and then like no Monday, I schedule it Monday and Monday morning someone phones at the office and your whole day is onus de boer and then Monday comes and goes and Wednesday and Friday and the whole week is gone again. True, yes. You see, but there's another thing that's true, that day that week is like a, almost a bad movie. It repeats itself for a whole year. So whatever you say today regarding next year, Jan, might be the same conversation at the end of 2020. You're going to go like, yeah, well, another year's gone and I still don't have a treadmill. Because the day comes, the days go. The week comes, the week goes. The month you plan it out, and we spoke about the planning. And then you, you can't do it all, and then eventually the month is gone, and eventually six months are gone, and eventually it's the end of the year. But here's the truth about moments like that. In January, we tell all our volunteers as far as possible, watch out for September. Because the moment September hits in the calendar year, something in your heart, emotions, and thoughts just fall. You go like, I cannot anymore. See, when, where I cut my hair, that is like February already. You see? But maybe that's your life. That's maybe your reality. By March, you go like, I cannot anymore. By June, by July, in the mid of the year, you go like, I cannot anymore. You're just holding on. You're just holding out. You're like on the thin string. is also your fast neck neck. So we tell our volunteers, watch out for the middle of the year. Watch out for September. Oh, but when October hits, you really need to guard your heart. Because in October, you're that person that goes like, Ek verkoop som als en trek na eiland toe. November, you will give everything away and move. December, you're all alone and you start crying, oh, can you my kissney? Because you're now alone on your island. You laugh because it's true. You see, something happens during our time span in a year, in our calendar year, 
that we start things, we plan things, we pray about it all maybe. And then life happens and things happen. And then there's a moment we go like, I'm holding out now. There's a moment we go like, I can't mean it. And you say it lightly, but a month later, it's more like, I can't mean it. And then a month later, you're like, I'm holding on to nothing. And then a month later, you're like, I'd rather just lose it all because I really can't anymore. See, something happens. You and I, we suffer through the last two, three months of a year. Don't lie. Some of you are like, it's the longest 70-day January of your life. You know that meme. It's true. December, where will I get money for this and this and this? You're like, Lord, please don't let them eat at my house, because how? Please. Ching chung cha for iemand anders huis, because I don't have electricity for that party. Come on. Misschien is jylle op een punt van, you wrote exams, and emotionally and mentally you drain to the point where you don't know who you are. Yeah, it's the end of the year. See, James, in his time growing up with Jesus, got to know Jesus as a brother who's a yes and a no Jesus. Right is right, wrong is wrong, and James took from that. And James became a guy who wrote this book that is in your face, that drains you, but it motivates you to move forward one more step, to grow one more day, to see Jesus and God in a different way, to experience the Holy Spirit in a different manner in the next day, because Easter, sleep Easter. And James is that book that grinds at you. Why? Because there's moments like these. And you and I need to mature and be alive in those moments. We should know how to react. We should know what to do. So James wrote this book in James 5. At the last, we, we had, uiteindelijk was ons amper daar. See, James 5, verse 13 says this. And you've got to get this. Are there any believers? Listen, listen, believers. That's you, that's me. It's a church, it's the people who say, Jesus is my king. It's not those who do not know the spirit, those who do not know the word. It's people with knowledge and experience. So it's you and I. Are there any believers in your fellowship, in the church, in your gathering, suffering, great hardship, and distress? See, that's a passion translation. The Amplified says, is anyone among you suffering? Let's be real. Maybe your heart went to a place in the last two, three, four, five months where you're like, Lord, never in my life do I ever want a year like this ever again. Save me from it. Why? Because you've been suffering through the days maybe. You've been suffering maybe through the weeks. You've been suffering through the months. You've been suffering through the years. You've been suffering and maybe people don't even know it. But God does. So James starts this book, he, he starts this topic, and he asks the question to the believers who know Christ, and he's like, who's suffering? 
You see, you do not get to do certain things because it's a rat race. There's not enough time. There's so much responsibility. There's so much this and that. And therefore, you do not get to the things you want to do because you are suffering through the daily routine. You are suffering through that weekly changes. You are suffering in a way. You are stressed. You are anxious. And maybe you're that guy and girl that goes like, I get, I get, I look next to me on my ears, I'm fasting. Just want to give it away. Just want to release it. I don't even care anymore. So James asks this question. Why? Because guess what? God cares. Jesus cares about your heart, your life, and if you are suffering. That's why he asks the question to the believers, not the unbeliever. He asks to the church this question because God cares for his people, his children, his church, like folk. That's you and I. And then he goes on, James. He says, those who are suffering. So in the Passion Translation, he says, encourage them to pray. Now, that's, that's nice, but let me, let me read it in the Amplified. Is anyone among you suffering? Yes, Lord, it's the end of the year. It's crazy. People actually determine my life at this stage. It's crazy. He must pray. That's it, three words. James writes to those who are suffering in hardship, who's distressed, stressed out, anxious, and it's a hard path they are walking currently. He asks the question, if that is you, then here's your answer. He must pray. And I love this. I love it. And maybe it's because I'm a pastor and I say it almost in a bit of arrogance here in the stage in the back. But the thing is, people think if the pastor prays, if the church as a whole prays, things change. But guess what? It says he, the individual, the I, the you by yourself, you pray and it change. Come on. James, in your face, oh, I disagree. I don't care if you disagree. You can take offense as far as possible today because James writes, he prays. God allowed this to happen. You pray. You see, the thing about church, and that's why it becomes emptier, empty as you move in James, because James and God throws responsibility your way. It's not the church's responsibility. Only. It's not the pastor's responsibility. Only. It's not the elders and the deacons' responsibilities. Only. I get it. When your child dies, you need a pastor and a church and a support system. I get it. I believe it. I stand by it and we will be there. But there's things in your life that when you suffer, you pray. When last did you pray? I'm not talking about your son of school, donkey for my McDonald's gebed. God is a bigger God than that little prayer of donkey for my cause. Amen. That's not even a prayer in the presence of God in his throne room. You're still trying to get through the attacks of the enemy with that prayer. You haven't re- even moved into the spiritual realm with that prayer. Are you anxious? 
Are you stressed? Are you suffering? Are you falling apart? Are you holding on to the last of it all? Then I tell you, the James Road, is there any one of you suffering? Church, believers, then he must pray. James is saying, take responsibility. He's telling the leaders, the James of the day who stood in front of the people, encourage them. I'm encouraging you as the James in front of the church, you pray. If you suffer, you pray. If you don't know, you pray. If you're feeling the grind of life, you pray. If you don't have enough money, you pray. If you don't experience God enough, you pray. If you want more from God, you pray. Lord, but this church, they don't teach me as I want to be taught. Then let the Spirit teach you while you pray. Come on. Because let me tell you something about the great people of the Word of God, the Moses, the Abraham. God spoke to them first by the self in the moment between the individual and God first. Why? They fell to their knees and they prayed. Now you go, oh, arrogant, oh, arrogant pastor. Oh, come to me and let me explain to you and let me share with you the testimonies of my life where I had to fall down on my knees and pray that on him you fell is me and wail in the presence of God because I knew that no one of you can change my circumstance except God. I didn't phone you and cry on your shoulders. I didn't email you and say, oh, you should now come and sort this out. I went to God because the truth of the matter is when you suffer, James says, go pray. Then you get angry when we say, I see you at prayer Monday. Hello. Then you go like, mm-hmm. It's true. I'm not blind. No pastor is blind. No spirit of God is blind. No God I serve is blind. He knows your attitude. He knows your excuse. He knows why you're not praying. But don't come and don't go to God and say, you never created a facility for me. No, you've got opportunity. You've got a great facility. You've got great people around you. You've got the Spirit of God in this house. You've got the Word of God that is everywhere available in this house and outside this room. There's no excuse for not praying. So what James says is, if you truly realize, actually now know and experience that you are in trouble and suffering, it's time to join in, get involved, and be present as the individual and the I who prays. Let me explain this. If this is you... I don't ask you to come and pray to me. I don't care if you even mention my name. You don't need to mention the name of this church. When you fall on your knees and that's you, don't pray to this church and me. Pray to the living God. Then things will shift and change. See, James, I know. James in your face. James challenges. James throws out responsibility to the believers. See, I pray, I'm like, Lord, may no day happen and come to light in my life where my son might approach me about a problem and my first response is not, yes, let's pray about this. See, my desire is to teach 
we struggle and we've got issues, if we wonder, if we desire, if we fall short, pray. Even if you're unhappy about your church, your people, your pastor, pray about it. Because God knows all. But be prepared if God tells you it's not them, it's you. Because that is the reality also. There's moments where it is the pastor, where it is the board, where it is the service. No one's perfect. But just like that, you're not perfect. So James says, whatever the suffering is, in your mind, in your heart, if it's a grudge, it's a problem, it's a secret, it's a sin, whatever the suffering is, he, the I, the individual, encourage him to pray. So on this day, I leave you with the words of James. I believe it's Holy Spirit-directed, spoken word that says you need to pray as the I. Yea, by yourself. Let me teach you this. James actually touches on this later on in, in James 5, but let's, let's take it to the moment. You see, 1 Kings 17 has a story and a moment where Elijah is spoken of. So Elijah is also a believer, is a prophet. He believes in God, he believes in Jesus, he believes in the prophecies, he believes of the Messiah coming. He is a prophet, and he knows the, the word and the teachings. So here's the thing. There's enemy, there's armies. The background is some are against him, and he needs to react. Responsibility, right? Someone needs to do something, and I hope it's not me. But he steps into a moment where, okay, all right, because God calls me to responsibility. God calls me to moments of being. Got to act. So let me take you through the story. 1 Kings 17, verse 1. Elijah, who was from this town, had settled in Gilead. He said to Ahab, I, so Elijah, I solemnly swear, you've got to get this. This is the type of oath you take when you get married. It's rooted, it is in concrete, it is steadfast, it is not just a little bit linky belofte, no, it is something that is said. I solemnly swear, as the Lord God of Israel, whom I serve, lives. He's praying, Elijah. That is the start of his prayer. He did not come and say, oh, by the name of Yaku and this church, I tell you, oh, devil. He started off by swearing an oath in the presence of his God who's alive, the same God of Israel. And when he declares that, he's speaking of the provisions. He's speaking of the promises. He's speaking of the miracles. He's talking of the deliverance. He is speaking about the God who moves. And he said, this is now my prayer. And that's where he starts. So as he falls to his knees, he's not a little speaker who says, oh, I love my God. No, he falls to his knees in the presence of a God who he knows who's alive. All right, so that's where he starts. Then he says, there will be no dew, no dew, not a drop, no nothing, or rain during the next few years, and get this, until I say so. Now we go like, yes, like arrogant Elijah, no. Elijah prayed. He declared first the holiness, the living power, the almighty God of Israel as the foundation. And that was where he kicked it off. He said, I'm, I'm coming in the name of God. 
That is in and through everything. Damn. But then he prophesies. Got to see the difference. He prophesies that there will be no rain until I say so. It's not arrogance. You see, prophecy is actually a responsibility that you and I have in and through God, through the leading of the Spirit. See, when things go wrong and you suffer, when you pray, you should pray. But in the prayer, you started correctly. You say, in the name of my Father who lives, the same God of Israel with the same promises, I'm a child of that bloodline. I come to you in the name of that God. And then you start prophesying. Oh, emotions feeling like this? I tell you, rick yourself rag. Mindset that feels like you want to just give it away. You want to give away what you pray for and God provided for, and now you just want to give it away. Is that what it means to you? Give your health then away. Cut off your arm. Give that away. No, yes, I care for that. It's mine. So should you care for everything else that God gives. Then you start declaring. Then you start prophesying. In the name of that God, I tell you it will not rain until. You tell your enemy you will not be effective until I say otherwise. But guess what? Never going to happen, enemy. I will be victorious. This will be the best year of my life. It's going to turn today. It's going to shift today. You see, James, through the leading of the Spirit, speaks to us regarding the prayer you should have in a time of suffering. The last days of the year. Maybe you're already in fear for 2020 and the months to come. Maybe your mind and emotions are already giving up on days not yet there. You should be Elijah who speaks to the enemy and speaks to the crowd who's not believers and speaks to the moment and says, until I say otherwise this. But it's in the name of a living God. Now I know you might go like, but you don't understand my anxiety. You, have, you are correct. I do not understand your anxiety, your life, your schedule, your yesterday. But what I do understand is the living God I know. And that guy said, nothing is impossible. That Lord opened up oceans. That God made that through Elijah and him prophesying for three and a half years, not one drop of water fell on this earth. Do you know how long three and a half years are? Dude, it's long. One prayer. In the name of God. And a troubled time. 1 Kings 18, later on, verse 41. Elijah told Ahab, get up, eat, and drink. It sounds like a heavy rain is coming. So in the three and a half years, there's no rain, there's no dew. Elijah suddenly speaks to the same people. and He's like, you better get up, there's a storm coming. So check this meme. Have you seen this picture somewhere before? I believe you have. Because when I read this, my mind went to this picture immediately. And I'm like, dude, this is so true. Then it's raining and storms everywhere. But the moment you need to exercise, no, no, there's a great storm on But there's like this one little cloud. 
come on, you can love because it's us. It's us. See, Elijah had this meme back in the day. This is not us, it's his. Because he spoke into that moment and said, go tell them, go tell Ahab, go tell the people who do not believe. It sounds like a heavy rain is coming. Now you and I go like, y'all, that kind of storm, I get it. You can hear it coming. But look at this story. Ahab got up to eat and drink. He prepared himself. Elijah went to the top of Carmel, the, the mountain, and then bowed down on the ground to pray. You and I, we haven't seen the sky yet, right? We're taking his word for this. There's a storm coming. We did not see the sky in that moment. But he declared, he spoke, he said what will be because he already prayed the prayer in the name of God. He already prophesied in the name of God. So he says, the rain is coming. So he goes to the mountain. He falls to his knees. He prays. Verse 43. He said to his servant then, after he prayed, please go back to the mount and look towards the sea. He went up, the servant looked, came back and said, there's nothing. Elijah just said, I hear the storm. The rain is coming after three and a half years. He actually gave warning to Ahab and all the people around him to go and prepare for the storm is coming. I hear it. And when the servant went on a mountaintop and viewed the skies, it's just blue like the last three and a half years. So what happens? He goes back. It's like, you see Elijah there's nothing. Do you have friends like this? Do you have family members like this? Because after a day like today, after sitting in a service like this, you're like, okay, I'm going to pray. I'm going to prophesy. I'm going to pray in the name of a living God. I'm going to call on the promises of the God of Israel. And you start doing it. And then in your life, you speak of the rain coming. You're like, hey, Maandag, maandag verander als die Heere gaan het verander. Oeh, die klankie, oh, swangerskap, volgende week, ek sê julle nou. And then it takes that one servant, that one friend, that one family member, that one colleague to come back and say, oh, my actually nicks. What happens to your heart? What happens to your mind? What happens to your emotion? So what did Elijah do? In a moment when the friend came back and said, my axinux, I don't see what you declare. I don't see what you speak of. I don't hear no storm. I don't even see no cloud. Look at what he did. Seven times Elijah told him, go back. It's not my monkeys is what he said. It's not my problem. If you don't see it, it's not my problem because I see it. I declared it. I spoke it. I prayed it. The storm is coming. Claw. God will provide, the baby will be formed, the money will be there, my business will not fail, this church will go from victory to victory, even if you don't see it, it is coming, so if you don't believe it, your monkeys, it's your problem. So seven times he sends back that servant. Why? Not for Elijah's heart, but for the heart and the change of the heart in the servant. So eventually, seven times go back. After the seventh time, the servant said, a little cloud, hmm, like a man's hand, is coming from the sea. Hallelujah, Bruce. 
Daar is een storm op die wolken so groot as hierdie papier. Come on. Am I speaking into a life here? Yeah? Because let me tell you something about the word of God. The provision, the door, open door, the way out might not seem great in the start, but this is your storm. It starts like this. And your friends and your family might not even see the storm. They go like, it's a cloud as big as a man's hand. Oh, let me tell you, if you already prayed and declared in the living God's name, it shall be a storm, even though it seems small. When they come and they want to kill, steal, and destroy your praise, your blessing, your prophecy, what you expect from your God, then tell them to go back until they meet with the God in a moment where there's a small cloud. Send them. Go pray until you see what I see. Go read word until you see what I see. Go change your heart, your mindset, your attitude, because it stinks until you see and experience what I see. Because what is beating inside of me is not out of myself. It's not me praising a pastor in a church. It is in the presence of God. So fall next to me. Get in line. Because I see a small cloud, and it's coming. Nothing can change it. After a little cloud, like a man's hand is coming from the sea, Elijah said, go and tell Ahab, and then the small cloud, just, just keep it in mind, prepare your chariot and leave before the rains delay you. Can you imagine being in that moment, and here's Elijah, sends word, he's like, kry jou kar in alles recht, want hier kom een storm waarin jy kan vastval. En jy kyk op, en jy a blue sky and a little cloud like that. Can you imagine that? But isn't that God's movement in our lives? Sometimes he sends the clear skies with a little sign like that. And he's like, do you still believe in me? Do you still believe my word? Do you still believe what you've prayed? Do you still believe that nothing is impossible? Do you believe that even through a small cloud like a hand, I can send a storm that will prosper? He's tasting you. But the same storm that will be a blessing for Elijah when the storm comes might be the storm that captures Ahab. You can fast fall on him. You will be caught by that. I say again. See, nozzles, there was a translation that said, Elijah, when he fell to his knees, he prayed intensely. Because Elijah prayed intensely in the name of God, it did not rain for three and a half years. And then because he prophesied in that very power name, it then started raining through a small cloud. But no one believed. No one accepted. Intense prayer. When last did you... Have intense prayer regarding what you're suffering about. Because let me tell you about intense praise. I've prayed intense praise in moments where the spirit moved. Then said, Tim, but I get an awkward, but yes, you was a loud where he mic vandaag and said, Tim, I get him full. Why? It's intense. Don't tell me that when you experience something intensely, you stand like this. When it's intense, you move. When it's intense, your voice raise. When it's intense, you lose the hair, man. But you begin to get your 
I tell you, I've had intense praise where people left the room because it was so intense. But let me tell you that I remember those moments up until this day because God said, today through the Spirit it changed. I remember intense praise, intense prophecy where people in half belief do as they are told, but they look at you like you're crazy. Hallelujah, amen, You see, intense praise is for the individual, not for the group. But the moment it's an intense prayer, when it is with heavy emotion, when it's with eagerness, when it's with a desire, when it's with expectation, it all shifts. And then you can in the spirit go like, I tell you now, it changed. See, no, the transuvias. En dan ek is hy over, dit lyk ook veel grappie vertel as ek dit sê. Jy gaan swanger, jy gaan swanger wees, it's coming. En dan loop ek weg en dink jy, ach, whatever. It's so intense, I, I love because of the joy I experience, because the spirit is intense in the moment. It's a different prayer than, dank jy heren vir my McDonald's, amen. Do you get this? But who needs to pray when they suffer? You might be disappointed today because you thought this church changes your life. No. The Spirit and the God of this church can change your life. Nou gaan jy gaan, ja, yes, dankie, ek het heavy crap gevoel voor ek in kerk ingekom en nou voel ek nog meer so. James knew that you might feel this way. So not everyone wails, not everyone suffers, not everyone is in distress, not everyone's anxious in their lives or at the end of a year. So he wrote this. And is there any believers in your fellowship and church suffering from great hardship and distress? Let them pray. And then he said, are there happy, cheerful ones amongst you? So if there's people amongst you who are happy, cheerful, joyful, you are lacquer, it's a great year, it's 2019, it's maybe the best year of your life. If that is you, then awesome. But James is going to say the following thing, that you still have responsibility. Even though it's going well, even though God is blessing, even though all your prayers of last year when you suffered came true this year and God opened doors and is now peachy, you still have responsibility. You see, when James wrote this, and when God guided this writing, it was for the church as a whole. Nie net a groepie nie, nie a klik nie, nie een ou nie, it's for the church a whole. So if you're not the guy who's suffering and being in hardship and distress and praying there, then you are this. Encourage them to sing. Yeah, out their praises. It's going well, you should praise. Die duikies en duikies moet jy voor dankbaar wees. You should praise. Yeah, I'm living in one room. Good. It's still not outside. It's waar oom. You know what? I did not receive my bonus this year. Oh, you have a job where you can expect a 13th check. You are blessed, brother. Whoa, you are privileged. 
you actually work so long in that space that you actually qualify for a 13th option. Come on, ek moet jou gedagtes ruk. Want van ons dink, medische fondse moet alwees. If you have it, you are blessed. If you have income, you are blessed. As you can eat it, you are blessed. If you have an option, we go like, ek het niks om aan te trek nie. 700 kaste verder. You are blessed that your mind cannot process your blessing. I tell you this. If you can wake up and you see and you speak and you smell and you experience and you feel and you have emotion and you can experience hot and cold, you are blessed. For there's blind out there. There's people who can physically cannot feel nothing on their skin. There's people who cannot feel cold or hot. You and I, we are blessed. Now James says, when you are blessed, you sing praises. Let me teach you something. Remember this guy praying because he's suffering. When this guy falls to his knees and he is praying, Lord, send the way, send the answer. And you are in the back somewhere going, Lord, you are great, you are awesome, you are holy, you are the almighty one, for nothing is impossible. For Lord, I can see, I can smell. Lord, you open that door and you are praising in the background. His ears, hears the praises and his heart will somewhere change from the morning to dancing. Because here's the truth. If you go to a braai and there's three people, and there's a Yaku and Esti group in this country, like a jobby! One, two, or all three will move from this to this. Why? Because joy and laughter and happiness and praise draws. And when I'm in the group, I'm like the group. Then my morning is dancing. So James knew there's people that are suffering, but they need to hear the praises of the people who aren't suffering. They're already through the valley, and they're proclaiming, Hallelujah, does he hear us? Oh, I did it, because the Spirit moved. They need to hear that. So what frustrates me as a pastor, when we sing a song about God's glory, and no one's singing so no one can hear I raise a hallelujah. In the presence of my enemies, I raise a hallelujah. I declare with a loud voice, I am victorious. I am so happy about that. I want to raise my hands. These people who are suffering around you, who needs to see that God does open doors and move in lives. But you praising like this helps no one. You've got responsibility if it's going well. To sing a praise. To sing a praise. In your WhatsApp, you sing a praise. In your post, you sing a praise. On your status, you sing a praise. If it's difficult to praise God for every great thing of your life, then shut up. Don't go to the place where you rather complain about everything. Rather shut up. But I tell you, James is not mistaken when he calls into a moment in four sentences. If you suffer, pray. But if it's going well, praise. It will change your life if you live by the four sentences. Come on, church. 
I know what I know. The Spirit determined this moment because there's lives who need to go from suffering to praising. I know what I know. There's people that's in awesome moments, awesome moments in their lives, but they're not praising. You should stop praising. And then there's people who are suffering, but you do not pray. Your answer is there. Through prayer, rain can cease and dew stop to exist. One prayer that is intense and passionate in a living God's presence. But it starts with let Him, you, the I, the individual, you, you. You can be lucky you're not my wife. Whatever they say. Well, I make most of the food, so she's kind of lucky, yeah. Their fees. The thing is, the light's off. I can't even see if she's swearing at me. I don't know, but here's the thing. There's moments where, where I told her that now it's time that you praise. There's moments where I've told her as my wife that you need to get on a stage because God is calling you as an individual to praise. She did not always sing on stage. But it takes someone who's busy praising to encourage, pray about it, but get in it. It's going well, praise it, praise, get on stage, grab a mic, get involved, do it. You've got to do it, church. If you don't do it, nothing's going to change. Don't wait for this church to change it. It's not going to change. Don't wait for me to grow you. It's not going to change. Because it will be so in your face, you will hate me after three years. Because that's what it takes to change. I'll be in your face. Even if you're my wife, you've got to sing. Go do it. She hates me for three months and there's a guy and then she sings like today. And then we both go like, thank you, Lord, for the ability. Thank you for the opportunity. Thank you for being the influence. Thank you for growing us. Gotta be there. I'm going to play a song. Two minutes. I believe you've got something to do. You're either going to fall, literally fall on your knees and pray. Or maybe you're going to stand up and praise. It's either or. But it's about you. It's now about you. Take this moment. Lights are going to be off. Spend it with God. Might be your last.
Father God, that is who you are. Father, hear our praise, hear our praise. Father, we just humble ourselves either way in your presence on this day. And we glorify you. We glorify you, Father, for the mountains still to shift. And we glorify you for the mountains who already moved. And we just lift up your name as a church. Father, thank you. Thank you for days and moments like these. Father, I declare and I prophesy life over every heart in this place. I speak, Father, open doors. I declare a way through the oceans in front of them. Father, I declare that their hearts and their lives will be filled with joy and laughter and the eternal feeling that is from you, Holy Spirit. So thank you, God, for filling the voids. Thank you for moving deeply. This is our desire and more. You know our wants and needs and more. And therefore, we glorify you. We worship you. We praise your name. So, Father, let, let your power be unleashed corner to corner, area to area. And, Lord, we call the storms of blessings because we hear it already in the Spirit. You move. You work. So, Lord, I pray a double portion of blessing over each and every person in this place. This week coming, double portion. In and through you, spoken blessing. For you've got our backs, Father. You will never leave nor forsake. You will heal. You will restore. And you will provide. For you are the way maker of this church. We take it, we receive the name of Jesus Christ. Amen and amen. If you want to stand while the song plays, you're welcome. We're going to lift the volume. See you for coffee next door.
situation. Declare this. You. Are 